It's the Tim Cornwall Show with Joe Santorsa. Bringing you news from the front lines of the battle to restore the soul of America. And now, here's your host, Tim Cornwall. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 717 of the Tim Cornwall Show for Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. And I'm joined again on the show once again by my co-host, co-producer, and resident Photoshop expert, the one, the only, Joe at Marnus3 at mstdn.party. How are you, Joe? I'm doing fine, Tim. Glad to be here. Glad to have you back. Also joining us from down Florida way, Messaging Matters at mstdn.social on the Mastodon. Messaging Matt, how you doing, Matt? Hey, great. Thanks. Very happy to be back. Glad to be back. Also joining us from the left coast again this week, Justice Putnam. How you doing, Justice? I'm doing fantastic, and thanks for having me back. Justice Putnam at sfba.social. And from down Atlanta way, Seth P23 joining us again this week at stranger.social. Thank you, Seth. Oh, yeah, Tim. Thanks for having me back on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah, you and Justice were both on last week, so we're glad to have you back. And uh, it just kind of <laughs> works out that way sometimes when we do the scheduling. But, what the Seth, heck happened? what happened? <laughs> what happened down this week in uh, Fulton County? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, but I tell you, nothing's going on in Fulton County. We're never in the news, are we? And I mean, geez. Yeah, no, I mean, so... So Powell and Chesbro or, or Cheesebro, however you want to call them, you know, they 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 both gave it up. You know, they both pleaded guilty. And th- the thing about it is, is let me say this about that: is that this is right out of the the playbook of Fonnie Willis. This is exactly what she did when she was prosecuting the 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 crime, the the people who were cheating on the student test or everything. She she indicted a whole bunch of people. She indicted like like I want to say. 30 some people and then only seven went to trial because she made them turn on themselves and that's that's straight out of her playbook this is what she does she's been doing it for decades so it's not this is what's going to happen and and i guarantee you that of the 19 or so people she indicted for this there's only going to be but a small fraction is going to actually go to trial if any of them go to trial and um so Exactly. I mean, the bottom line is this: is Fonnie Willis is a is a serious person, a serious professional, and these other guys are not. They're just jokers. They're just weird charlatans who are who who, who are hanging on Trump's coattails or whatever. And and they're going to have to deal with justice. And we're seeing it unfold in front of our eyes right now. So yeah. Well, the that. thing that I thought was really interesting about Chesbro or Cheesebro, however, I know everybody says. It's supposed to be Chesbro, but we all call him the cheese. You know? There you go. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he actually ended up pleading to a felony count. But because of the because of the Georgia, the way the Georgia, some part of the law is, if he if he doesn't violate his probation and successfully completes it, it will be it will be expunged from his mm. record. So he won't be kicked out of out of the bar association. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, but uh, that they said that was critical to his to his flipping. So. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, none of neither one of them will get in jail time. But I'm wondering, like they say, the longer the others wait, the less deal, the less of a deal they'll get. So, uh, well, the thing, like I was saying before, is like 
they're smaller fish. Like these were the bigger fish of the group. You know, the other ones are like their jobs are less important. They have less leverage. They're also and, not. And the they're fact also that, not yeah. rich people. You know what I mean? Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> like they they're going to deal with whatever public defender is assigned to them. And yeah, so uh, like I said, the, the, I, I really think the tables have turned on Trump in this case, for sure. Yeah, Rudy's yeah. screwed, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you know, the word on the street here is that nobody even wants him to flip. They don't even care. You know what I'm saying? They're just going to prosecute him. Like, right. he's going down. Like, there's nothing he can say. He, he doesn't have any leverage. Like, they don't need his testimony to prosecute Trump. So there's yep. that. There you go. There you go. I got, and they got plenty of people to, to testify against him. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, Seth. Always glad to have you back and uh, thank tell you. people where they can check you out. Oh yeah, you can you can find me on Mastodon at Seth P twenty three as well as Spoutable, and my soon to be wife is and I. I have an Instagram account, uh, Vegan ESP on Instagram. You can check us out there. Yes, you're getting married on Friday. That's right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes. now, how long have you been together? Like 17 years. So. <laughs> All right. About time. <laughs> All <right>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Seth. And congratulations to you and Elena. And uh, we'll see justice. What's happening at Oregon Way? Well, it's been relatively quiet for me because I decided because of world events that I just had to shut off the steady stream of what is the truth. So, um other than that, uh, we've had some pleasant weather for this time of year, which in these times makes me really suspect. Why is the weather so nice? What bad thing is going to happen now? Mm, so, yeah. hmm. is, isn't that terrible? Yeah, well, the <laughs> so. weather's turning here in Pennsylvania, so uh, so we're at, we're at But uh, what? Okay, well, I've been taking care of mom. I wanted to mention something to Seth, you know, um, my mom has been like a little matchmaker in the neighborhood because there's lots <laughs> of people her age who are have been cohabitating for, you know, 40, 50 years. And she's saying, look, you're yeah. going to get screwed unless you, you know, get married. And that way you can do your social security and all that. And all these people yeah. are going, what? Hmm. It's like they just yeah. had no idea. So now right. there's like all sorts of these old people getting married and they're older than me. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think it's kind of cute. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but congratulations and stuff. We used to have a joke like, "Why, why, why would you risk uh, destroying a perfectly good friendship by getting married?" Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no. That's right, from us right. old cynics, and mm-hmm. that sounds like this. It, it's great. Congratulations. Yes. Thank so, you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, with all of that said, you can find me on still on Twitter, and. Uh, <laughs> You're I don't know why, you don't but know why. Uh, what a cesspool of, I, like I said, it's it's a play, the game of what is the truth. Mm. So uh, I'm there, and I'm also on Mastodon and Spoutable and Blue Sky and Tumblr and Facebook, you name it. And uh, you can find me at Justice Putnam or simply Justice Putnam, depending. You can also find me five mornings a week on Netroots Radio as the host of the West Coast Cookbook and Speakeasy Salon. And also on Black Coes over at Daily Coes, where I am the poetry editor. All right. Thank you, Justice. Like I say, we're always glad to have you back. And uh, Thanks. And uh, Matt, what's happening down Florida way? Well, always something interesting. 
We were able to get a new home valuation based on the Mar-a-Lago valuation oh. formula. <laughs> and yeah, it's really great. I found out that our house is now worth $62 million, <laughs> um, but we only have to pay property tax on 62000 It's phenomenal. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you've heard of the term fuzzy math. I call this warm and fuzzy math. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you have to live there or, does it, or can it be a resort? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> there are plenty of people who who claim to live here. Let's put it that way. We actually do live here, for the record. Mm, yeah, you're you're in Southern Florida, right? Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and I heard that uh, old Ron DeSantis lost his uh, lost his little lawsuit there over uh, hiding the COVID data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's going to have to strap on the go-go boots and find something <laughs> else to do. <laughs> right. He's not going to be running for president much longer. <laughs> yeah, no. And then we also have uh, this hurricane season, and it's almost over. We're basically on, well, I am anyway, on pins and needles a bit since maybe June 1st. And uh, it should be ending really now, maybe another week. But you never know with the with global warming, yeah. we might just have the fun of a, a permanent hurricane season and have water jugs and filled up bathtubs and things all year round. Oh well, that just sounds lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had some friends who uh, who retired and moved down to Florida, and they just can't couldn't take it anymore. About a month ago, and they moved to North Carolina. They just said they couldn't take care of the take the the hate of the. That's laws. a big yeah. That's a big one, and. Uh, <laughs> So a lot of people are moving to Alabama, but I don't think Ooh, those are true. the blue voters. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's just my mm. suspicion. Well, and uh, yeah, we, you know, in the long term, um, we have talked about that, and possible up towards uh, Virginia is uh, is possibly high on the list. Mm. I mean, I'm familiar. I used to live in that in the Beltway area, so I'm quite familiar with Northern Virginia. Yeah, well, you don't want to go up there because I'm telling you, the cost of living there, the housing costs will kill you. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately here, we're getting crushed by home insurance. Yeah, I think I mentioned can, that last time get on it. the show. If you can get it. Yep. If right. you can yep. get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us again and tell people where they can check you out. I'm at messagingmatters.com. Current, the current story up there is U.S. House Republicans speed past disarray into total chaos. <laughs> right. Cool. And that's something we might talk about today. And uh, you can also find me uh. at Mastodon, at Messaging Matters, at mstdn.social. All right. Thank you, Matt. And uh, we hope that uh, things work out uh, with your insurance down there. So. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And, Joe, what's happening up Scranton Way? Is it getting colder? Uh, yeah. But it's supposed to get warm here again today. The I next heard. week, yeah, it's supposed to get into the seventies. Yeah, we're in the middle of the to week. Get the same, and then you'll be wow. in snow the next week, right? <laughs> uh, could be, could be. This as, uh, is that time of year. Has Barb got but, the house uh, all decorated up for uh, for Halloween? Hall- no, no, <laughs> no. I, I see no purpose in having to put lights up and down several times a year. I have to do it once, <laughs> and that's enough. But uh, yeah, I was interested in in. Uh, all those um, those plea deals, but I guess Andrew Weissman put some cold water on some of them <laughs> for me, hmm. uh, mainly because he said, you know, sh- they they didn't 
they really don't know what they're going to say. We're assuming she must have gotten something really good to give them such good deals. But we just don't know. Well, they have to testify truthfully. Yeah. Well, they have to testify truthfully, but, you know, I, I don't remember as truthful. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, did you ever have uh, any conversations with Mr. Trump about this? You know, not that I recall. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I mean, truthful and truthful, you know. Define truth. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, to your point, Joe, that in, in Georgia, they've already done proper videos right. where, like, they've testified, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's out there. You know what I'm right. saying, and they can okay. use that those videos to go in court. Exactly. So they can't. I don't. I don't think they're going to say. I don't remember. The thing is, we don't know what they said in those proffers. Mm. That's my point. I mean, that was their point, is that we don't know what, the, well, what they said in those proffers. Well, so um, we don't know. We don't know. I've but, been. I've been so burned by the Mueller investigation and so no, many disappointments that that I I, that right. I, I I don't get that excited about this stuff anymore. Like when I saw, and and then when you you really drill down into the details of of the proffers, you know they 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 really publicly it doesn't tell us much, and and as you said they're recorded sure, but we don't know what they recorded, and we don't know what they agreed to, and you know as far as Sidney Powell was concerned, um, she she got a misdemeanor, okay. She probably will hold on to her law license, assuming nobody's trying to disbar her locally. Um, so it didn't evaporate because of a felony. Neither did his for, for that because of the uh, first uh, offender clause. But, um, you know, they also didn't – what confuses me too is they, they did uh, a limited – plea deal. They didn't plead to the entire thing. They didn't plead to to the racketeering charge. No, that was that was part of the plea deal. Right. Which may, again makes me suspect. Yeah, but the thing is, if they had pled guilty to the racketeering charge, then they would have gotten a mandatory five year sentence. So well, so that's they why around, they that, could have worked around that. All right, so they work around that with this conspiracy charge, but these are very limited charges. I, I just like I said. I have been burned so many times. Mm, I feel you. Yeah. That that when you drill down into these things, and 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 I but, waited for Andrew Weissman to talk about it because another person, the the guy that did the investigation for the Jan Six Committee, mm-hmm. also threw cold water on this whole thing. That before you get too excited about these plea deals, let's wait until what happens at trial. Yeah, well, I mean, God knows when that's even going to be, if it's even before the election. So, Well, I, I think, truthfully, I think Fannie Willis is going, going to push now. This week, you're going to see a big push for a speedy, for a trial date. Yep. She's going to want one, and she's going to want one quick, because there's no more, uh, there, there are no more uh, uh, motions to be filed except for the next trial. So we got to know when that is. So that they can start clearing that stuff out. Plus, the closer we get to trial, as everyone has learned, since we all went to law school the last year or two, uh, (laughs) the closer you go to trial, uh, the more likely to flip. You know, reality starts to set in. Look, it took uh, cheese, uh, what, during jury selection? 
Ju- during yeah. jury selection, he 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 pleads out. I mean that that's taking it right to the end, right? Right. Yep. So um, you know, well, I, I think she, the next push we're going to see from Fonnie Willis is is for a trial date, and that'll be interesting to see. But Joe, Joe, the the solace that I take is that it is Fonnie Willis and not Mueller who was constrained by. You know, some sort of internal document that the DOJ had that would constrain him from investigating a crime as it should have been investigated. Oh, sure, and so. I and I and I take some solace in the fact that, and and so did Weissman, by the way, that this is one of the most experienced RICO uh, prosecutors in yeah. the country. Uh, whatever deal she made, we're going to assume for the for for the moment. That she wouldn't have given these sweet deals to these guys mm-hmm. if she didn't yeah. get something significant. Right. But, yeah. and the big but is, we don't know that because no one knows what's in the proffer and no one knows what they're going to say at trial or how they're going to try to worm around it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, look I at just, Weissel, look I at just think. I just think about what she did with with those teachers in that conspiracy thing, and yeah. I know that you can't, you know, one trial isn't indicative of how another trial will transpire, but um, she did a very similar strategy. Oh yeah, and some people got off with it seemed like you know ridiculously low, uh, you know, charges because they flipped, but then those that were you know, she threw the book at people. Is basically yeah, what right. it ended up. And, I, and, I think and that was just that was just where, like you know, a slush fund and a few other things. You know, it's and like, I think what you're going to see is a lot of the those lower tier people be flipping very quickly as um, soon as we have a trial date. I, I don't think you're going to. I think it'll be in single digits by the time they get to how many people are actually going to go to trial. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. agree. Uh, Especially those you know, and the thing about it is, is I saw an interview with her, and um, you know, the thing this this whole Trump case landed on her, you know, desk one week after she was elected as Attorney General. You know, as, uh, and and uh, uh, the, excuse me, the District Attorney uh, rather, and um, and 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 she was like, wait. What? <laughs> she wasn't looking. She didn't look for this trial. It wasn't anything she went after. She was just like, you know, when Raffensperger and all these people like presented this evidence and it, it like landed on her. She was like, oh, OK, OK, I've yeah. got to prosecute the president my first week on the job. You know, right. and, and it's like that wasn't anything she was looking for. She didn't go after Trump. This landed in her lap and at the most inconvenient time possible, like. And she was just like, I have so many. Listen, let me tell you, living in Fulton County, we have a lot of issues. We have a lot of problems. And and there's a lot of things to address. And I I can guarantee you if she had the choice, she wouldn't even deal with this, this Trump thing, because we need to deal with their jails. We need to deal with all kinds of issues. It's like we don't need a big, giant, major, you know, history making trial when we have so many different things we need to deal deal with and she didn't choose this you know this landed on her lap and she's doing the best she can she's doing it the same way she's always done everything else like you said joe and uh and injustice as well it's like she's just doing her work the way she's always done it before but i guarantee you if she had the choice she wouldn't have chose this you know because yeah, yeah. county has enough problems <laughs> your state has been been like fighting a uh, a violent takeover of the state for forever of kudzu. Yeah. 
<laughs> There's that. Yeah, sure. Exactly. The I, whole yeah, southeast I, has, actually. I just yeah. just saying just to temper our uh, expectations. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, like I, I we saw on Monday, Judge Chetkin issued the the or was it last week the the gag or uh, the partial gag order, mm. you know, restraining yeah. order on Trump, and then. And then now I've seen on Facebook. I don't know. If, I haven't heard this from any other media outlets, but I've seen that she that she put a temporary stay on it till like the. 20th, oh, that's that's true. Till the 29th. Yeah, till the 29th of October. Yeah, because they all have to file briefs. She wants to have a hearing on the the uh, removal of the. Uh, they want to appeal the uh, gag order, mm-hmm. so she's going to have a hearing on that on the appeal. So she did allow a stay. Of the gag order, until. The briefs are filed, and she could hold a hearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that all that all was well reported. Oh wow, all over. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, you know, what's the point? You know, it's just I. I sometimes I just feel like whatever, whatever happens. I think, I think, I think, I think she also is an experienced judge, and I think they're always judges. And Matt, you probably could help me out on this. They're they're always looking to make sure that anything that happens in their court. Is almost as airproof as it can be on appeal. Unless your exactly. name is Judge Can, unless your name is Judge yeah. Cannon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. But in this, in this case, I think with a gag order or a lack of a gag order, then Trump is free to do the damage for two weeks or right. whatever. Well, it's and, not. It's and that damage only- can't be. Some of it can't be undone. That the whole the whole point. Of uh, of asking for the gag order is that there's dangers of certain things that could happen, even calls to violence. But if so, you, I think I think in this case, I, I wish that she had ruled the other way and mm-hmm. kept the gag order in place, and then have the hearing, and then take it away, and then in that case, you know, it only would have been a couple of weeks at most, even if even if she uh, decided to remove it. Yeah, I, I just think she's being overly cautious because yeah. of the whole thing, and besides, the the, the hearing is this week this coming week i mean uh the briefs have to be by wednesday so uh it's it's rather quick and really if he did anything like you said matt um that would bolster the prosecution's argument at hearing (laughs) oh yeah you lifted the order look what he did yeah actually that's give him rope to hang himself right there because go go ahead and call for violence go ahead and do all that stuff while while the gag order is lifted because then when we get to the hearing the prosecution is going to say well we need Say nothing more than what happened after you lifted the order. Look what he did. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Well, he can't help himself. I, so I think no. that might increase the chance of. He's, or, he's arguing it. his lawyers filed a brief. Now, there's so many courts that he's in. I, I, I don't know if it's in Chetkins or in New York. But regardless, on Friday, his lawyers filed a brief that if the jurors are told that their lives could be in danger, that that would be prejudicial against him. When they threaten their lives, everybody's going to think it's him that threatened their lives. Yeah. Well, uh, because it was him threatening their lives. Well, we got a little. Si- <laughs> yes. Yeah. We got a little sidetrack yeah. here, but Joe, tell people where they can check you out. <laughs> oh, just asked it on Facebook, WordPress, and uh, that's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in Scranton, where there nothing ever happens. There you go. All <laughs> right. Thank you, Joe. And you can follow me, Tim Cormo, on all the social medias except for the Twitter because I'm not there. And uh, timcormo.com is the website for our show. We're available on Stitcher, 
for your portable mobile device as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon Podcasts. And we're broadcast on Networks Radio at 6.30 a.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Eastern on Mondays as well as on Radio for Humans, Mondays and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. And with that, Joe has a great... Facebook page you run source, and with that, let's uh, do the followings. Follow me on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Pinterest. Follow me on Twitch. Follow me on MySpace. What the hell is MySpace? Follow me on Musically. Follow me on Reddit. Follow me on the sidewalk. Follow me on the road. Follow me on WhatsApp. Follow me on Daily Motion. Follow, 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 follow. Hey, we'll start with Matt this week. Okay, so, well, what I'm trying to do since I left the Angry Birds site a year ago <laughs> is to build a news feed on Mastodon like I used to have because that, that's really primarily what I use these sites for is to, to have just a killer news and headline feed from all over the world and everything. And it takes time. But I got a good one that I think our, our friend John Britavo, the Blue Dot in Texas, would be proud of because it's the Texas Observer. Mm, yes. They are at Texas Observer, at TexasObserver.social. On they Mastodon, their, they got their own which Mastodon means server. I think that they have their own uh, server or yeah. instance. And they are founded in 1954, a progressive nonprofit news outlet and print magazine covering the Lone Star State. And I see a couple of their most recent stories, things that we don't always hear every day in, in other news. One is uh, that Governor Greg Abbott is seizing the moment to demand even more money for his endlessly expensive border boondoggle. And another one is, uh, even after a Dallas mail carrier's recent death from extreme heat, the U.S. Postal Service is still forcing carriers to speed up, work overtime hours, and forego breaks. Hmm. Wow. All right. So um uh, Texas, Texas Observer at Texas Observer or, uh, at Texas Observer dot social. <laughs> yes, hard to say, but <laughs> yes. that's them. All right, all right. I'll have a link in the show notes, and let's go to uh, let's see. Uh, Justice, who's your f- social media friend? My social media friend of the week this week is my fellow editor over on Daily Co's at Black Co's, Denise Oliver Velez. And you can find her at Oliver 47 most everywhere. I have her on Spoutable, but she's over on the old bird site, too, as well as Facebook and a few other places. And if you don't know, she is a feminist activist, former Young Lords Party and Black Panther Party member. An Ilyarisha Yamaya, which is a practitioner of the Yamaya uh, religion, which is the ruler of winds and storms, by the way. Mm-hmm. An anthropologist and uh, also the Black Coast editor. I have her as a friend this week because I actually think I had her as a social media friend not terribly long ago. But she just announced that she is undergoing cancer treatment and being a longtime adjunct professor at NYU means she doesn't have any medical. Hmm. So she put out a call, uh, which is not uh, like her. Her uh, nephew encouraged her to put out a GoFundMe call to – to uh, help her, you know, for the co-pays and uh, people responded. And I don't think that even though she, she put what might seemingly be a pretty good, you know, goal 
and she went past it. I, I, I think it's nice just to keep it going. Oh, so that's good. That's good. those of you who are able to do so, do so. And, uh, but more impo- importantly, please do uh, follow Denise Oliver Velez at DOliver47. All right. Thank you, Justice. And we'll go to Seth. Okay, Tim. Uh, thanks. Yeah, my, my social media person is Glenn Kushner, and um, he's on the Stephanie Miller show. He's a, 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 he's somebody on MSNBC a lot, and he's a former uh, federal you know um, lawyer who who has a lot of really good insights about all things in politics. and And I have to say, he's he's been spot on about so many things like. Like in our in our darkest days, when we thought that like Trump would never see justice and he would never get indicted and all this sort of thing, it's like no, he's like yeah, he's getting indicted. He was <laughs> like it's going to happen because the evidence is there, and it seems emotionally like no, it's not going to happen because he just seems to get away with everything. But in the real world, criminals get indicted. There's evidence, and they get indicted, and they go to. And, you know, they have to go through the court process and going through the court process isn't like being on TV and saying it's a witch one, blah, 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 or whatever. It's like, no, yeah, you've got to go face judge and a jury and you got to present evidence. You got to win. And so I feel like he's kind of been like a voice of reason through all this craziness. So I recommend Glenn Kushner and you can find him anywhere. I'm sure he's yeah, on he's all the social media. You can watch him on TV or whatever. And it, yeah, it, he's definitely a good source. So uh, that's my social media person of the week. Oh, he was at Sexy Liberal last night in LA. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> so, all right, Glenn Kushner, he's all over the place. You can check out his Justice Matters uh, YouTube videos and, uh, and, and give him a follow. And we'll go to Joe. Well, I guess I'm a bucket of cold water today. No. <laughs> but <laughs> my uh, my social media friend of the week is our follow of the week would be the Lawfare blog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for that is because of a ar- particular article I gave you the link to, uh, uh, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, there is a sleeper <laughs> a sleeper. Uh, appeal out there that everybody I know and, and including the the, the the special counsel has really trashed but um, I'm a little leery about because again uh, some of the experts like uh, Andrew Weissman and uh, and others have pointed out that this appeal that he has absolute immunity mm-hmm. is not as a slam dunk as we may think. Right. I know. That's what worries me, too. Because if you read the the the, uh, the appeal, they're saying it's, it's designed, well, as Andrew Weissman said, it's designed to, 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 to hit the Supreme Court's conservative wing because it hits on the expansion of executive power, mm-hmm. which is a favorite of the Federalist Society and, you know, that, that wing of the, which is large now on the Supreme Court. And it's really a, des- a design for the Supreme Court. Yeah, it's going to get knocked down probably by Chutkin, and it's going to get knocked down maybe by the D.C. Circuit. The worry is not even that he'll ultimately be turned down. 
But if the Supreme Court even takes the case, if the D.C. Circuit says, nope, you don't have that, and they appeal to the Supreme Court, Supreme Court, if they reject taking it, saying, no, we're going to go with the D.C. Circuit, then we're probably okay. But if they take the case, this may blow everything up in the, in the, into the sky because that means they don't have to rule on it till next June. Right. Well, you know. By which time, all these cases are going to be way too late to bring to trial because of the election. I just got to have faith that that's not going to happen. But, you know, I don't know. I, you know, like I said, all this is above, well, by, above yeah. the pay grade, as they say in the government. I, know, I, I, I listened to Weissman. I listened to, to Harry Littman, who both agreed on this. And then I read this Lawfare article, which really lays out the reasoning for this, what they call the difference between, you know, the body and the body politic. Mm-hmm. It's an old English law uh, uh, concept that that the body, the king, is different than the kingship. Mm-hmm. And when do the two merge and when are the two separate? And this has never been tested. Well, the thing you, you got to keep is the in presidency mind and the president, are they separate? There when are, are they- there- their argument is that the oath to protect the Constitution is for lesser officers in government and not for the godly king. Yeah, right. It's and again the body and the body politic. So you know to go back to old English law. So if you look at this, uh, there may be enough of those justices that want to take up the case, yeah. even if they ultimately rule, you know, against Trump. It may be too late to bring these cases to trial. Well, but once you, they take it up, these trials will be in limbo. But the thing you got to keep in mind, Joe, is not all these cases happened while he was president, right? Oh, Alvin, I understand. Alvin Bragg happened before he was president. Uh-huh. The documents case, the the classified documents case, happened after he was president. Well, and this- if they rule that while he's in office, but they're not going. I really can't see them ruling that even after he's out of office that he's above the law. I, I but just, also, every time he breaks the law, doesn't that start the time clock again? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't, I don't know because they're they're talking about the January sixth in particular. That's where this right. appeal started with the January sixth trial. That's right. starting March fourth or something. But uh, when you look at the Florida case, that Florida case is never going to see the light of day before after the election, mm-hmm. just because the judge is corrupt. Right. Period. Absolutely. Exclamation point. There's no way she's bringing that. She's going to have to do that. A death by a thousand cuts. I, She's going to delay two weeks, delay a month, delay two weeks, delay a month. But before you know it, that's not going to see the light of day. So you could just throw that one right out the window. I You're think not she's just inexperienced. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I heard that, too. And right. I didn't buy it. And, that's, and, that's a nice way of saying she's yeah. great. So, so who and are you following again? <laughs> lawfare. The Lawfare oh, okay, blog. Okay. Thanks. Lawfare right. blog. And, so, and this particular article... I would encourage you to read it because it will give you something to think about. All right, I'll put a Again, link to that. Let's temper our expectations. All right, and I'll, not be disappointed when things blow up in our face. All right, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And my social media friend this week is Barb McQuaid. Love her. 
on the threads. And she says, University of Michigan professor, MSNBC legal analyst, former U.S. attorney, uh, EDMI author, and forthcoming book, Attack from Within, How Disinformation is Sabotaging America. And I I really like her, but I I picked her this week because she posted, she said, uh, Judge's gag order is narrowly tailored to prohibit Trump from verbally attacking prosecutors, witnesses, and court staff, permitting him to criticize Biden, DOJ, and charges. Order is necessary and legally sound. My only criticism is, what took you so long? Amen. Right? Amen. Right? That was exactly it. What took you so long? Dang. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. Oh, so anyway, so I'll give all of our social media friends to Yeah, what took you so long, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and that's part of the problem with all these, with that particular appeal, is that if it does delay everything until June, it's their fault because right. they should have brought this case January seventh. Right. All right. So, uh, so no, Joe, I know you hate Morning Joe, <laughs> but uh, they were talking about Trump speech over last weekend. But remember, Republicans eat their young. They really do. They eat their young. Terrible statement, but it's true. Yeah. Um, Former President Trump, in a recorded message over the weekend, like he he meant to, to happen, he that was recorded it, and then he, re- yeah, that was untied. revealing Republicans eat their young. Okay. Okay. Well, well when when he's had some really strange, <laughs> said some really strange things. Uh, 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 so one speeches. thing that he said at a speech was cruel. We were thinking of showing it, and it is so cruel and yeah. disgusting. That we're not showing. But, 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 but again, he, he babbles through so many of these speeches. And of right. course, I don't know. Maybe somebody can let him know he's not running against Barack Obama uh, uh, over the last couple of <laughs> weeks. He said obsession with repeatedly him. that he was running against Barack Obama, that he was head of Barack Obama in the polls, that he actually beat Barack Obama in 2020. Remember when he beat Barack Obama in 2016? It's almost as if he's obsessed with Barack Obama. He really, if he were a leader of a party instead of just a leader of a cult, uh, this personality cult, he would be more concerned about what's going on in the House of Representatives because, well, again, he doesn't care about Israel. He's shown that uh, with with his attacks of the Israelis and their leadership. Uh, But right now, uh, Israel desperately needs They're going to need support support from the House of Representatives like the Ukrainians are. More importantly, the United States of America needs to show uh, that we're here, we're ready, we're standing by to face our enemies. uh, Israel is facing enemies. Hamas considers the United States their enemy. Iran considers the United States their enemy. Of course, Russia considers the United States their enemy. And China considers the United States their enemy. If you don't think we're not facing serious, grave challenges from those four uh, countries who consider the United States of America to be their enemies, then you're just naive. And I've got to say, there are a lot of House Republicans uh, that that must be naive and think they can continue playing games instead of... Instead of moving towards a speaker and putting a speaker in place. They're still following this man who is the so-called Republican, but he is the front runner uh, who says that Republicans are eating their young. And when they're not eating their young, they continue to eat their own as the party still cannot agree on a House speaker. Tomorrow, Republicans plan 
to try again, holding a House floor vote on Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio for the position. On Friday, he won the GOP nomination for the speakership in a second try. Meanwhile, Republican Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana is reportedly laying the groundwork to seek the speaker's gavel if Jordan is unable to get the votes needed on the House floor. So where does this all stand? Joining us now, congressional investigations reporter for The Washington Post, Jackie Alamany, MSNBC contributor Mike Barnacle, and co-host of The Circus on Showtime, political strategist Mark McKinnon. Mark McKinnon, have you ever seen anything like this? Uh, they've managed to claw their way to the bottom. It's incredible, Joe. <laughs> at a time of uh, you know uh, existential crisis in the world, uh, we have no leadership in the in the Republican Congress, and and we have you know the former president of the United States talking about uh, our our enemies as being smart, and uh, it's it's. You know, at a time when we need leadership more than we can think of in recent history, there's just none there. Right, because that's what we saw in the House this week, right? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to agree with Tom on this one. I think Republicans do eat their young, you know? I mean, and I, 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 if you could give me a, a quick second to give a rant, Tim, um, <laughs> because I was thinking about this for the show. It's like, I come from a very conservative family. I mean, um, my mom was a delegate for Reagan and uh, a national delegate, you know, I, as a child, I met Phil Shafley. I mean, um, you know, I did, I've done more work for the Republican Party before I hit puberty than most so-called Republicans will do with their whole life. I stuffed envelopes, I made phone calls, I did the whole thing. And um, it was around about puberty, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I agree with all this stuff. I don't know if I really want to, you know, <laughs> wave a sign on a street corner or whatever. But the one thing I, I told my mom, like about 20 years ago, at, you know, long after I was obviously not a Republican or conservative or anything like that, I said, Mom, you know, the thing is, I've grown up around you guys and I know how you are. And the thing is, if there's 100 conservatives in a room, half will go against the other half. Mm -hmm. And then you take that half, they'll go against the other half. And then you take that half, they'll keep doing it on, on, on down the line until you get to the last person. Well, this is and then that person will be against themselves. I mean, I'm like, you guys, you guys are the party of hate and the party of destruction. You're not about building; you're about destroying. And I'm like, that's what you are. I mean, that and and, and here we are. We're seeing it in real time. And when I read the headlines this week, and I saw that they're actually Republicans are are giving death threats to other Republicans because they're not voting for Jim Jordan. I was like, damn, I had this conversation with my mom 20 years ago. And, and, and the thing about it is, is I'm not prescient or unique or anything like that. I'm sure other people have had similar conversations with their family members. And, but I'm just saying that's who they are. Thank you. My rant is over. Yeah, well, I mean, this is it. This is what's driven them further and further and further to the right because they end up throwing out, you know, through the primary process, anybody who they don't consider conservative enough. Right. And then you just keep yeah. getting in more and more and more of the crazy. And, and I mean, what is this? What, what started all this? I mean, what started all this is that Kevin McCarthy agreed to a 45-day clean CR to keep the government from shutting down. And they Because he wanted to build and not destroy, and they're mad at him for that. And, uh, I mean, that's ridiculous. Well, it's no, like, even still, he uh, knew that if they shut the government down, it's going to kill them in next year's election. 
there you go again you know, with building. You know, it's like you can't have a policy of complete destruction and think you're going to succeed. That's right. not going to work. I mean, they're, and they haven't figured that out yet. They're going to. I mean, the, the way things are looking, they're going to lose in a landslide next year. You know, <laughs> the funny part is that the the media for for decades now has had a a favorite expression: Democrats in disarray. Well, right now. <laughs> You know, look at the votes for for Hakeem Jeffries. Let's say for yep. two hundred twelve votes 212, over and over again for Speaker. 212. The Democrats are unified, and the and the Republicans. T- there's a compliment for Joe from the media because finally some of them are using the term "clown car" right. to describe what's going on in the Republican Party. Yeah, I saw all kind yeah. of memes of clowns on the on the House floor, and everything this week. But I mean, yeah, and it's just crazy. And the circus was the tryouts for the Speaker. You know, so but. Uh, this is not a, uh, an endorsement of Chris Christie, but I just thought this was hilarious because he came out with an ad. As Israel fights Hamas in Gaza and the south of Israel, the IDF also traded rocket fire with Hezbollah. The ties between Hezbollah and Iran are far greater, far more organized. Hezbollah is Lebanon's most powerful armed group and is committed to Israel's destruction. You know, Hezbollah is very smart. They're all very smart. He's a fool. Only a fool yep. would make those kind of comments. Only a yep. fool would give comments that could give aid and comfort to Israel's adversary. This is someone who cares not about the American people, not about the people of Israel, but he cares about one person and one person only, the person he sees in the mirror when he wakes up in the morning. We cannot, once again, nominate a fool like this and get him anywhere near the presidency of the United States. And having a fool like Donald Trump who would make those comments in the tone that he made them is proven to folks that he has no business being president of the United States. Tell it like it is, Pack is responsible for the content of this advertisement. Well, Christy, Christy, I don't, I don't think you deserve to be in there either, but... but yeah, no. But the and, fact and that and he the called something... that, too, is... I, I feel like I feel like Christie would have been more than happy to be his vice president. You know what I'm right. saying? Like it's like he can criticize him all he wants now, but given the chance, he would have been his vice president in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, he so he coached that. Trump for the debate and then got COVID from him because Trump didn't tell anyone he had COVID. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Right? <laughs> and he ended up in the ICU for seven days. I mean, really? But I mean, you mean he's not coming for Trump? Like Tony Soprano, like he keeps saying, I'm coming for you, I'm coming for you. Yeah, so far I think that's had a limited impact. I'm glad he's there doing that, but so far I'm not sure it's exactly swayed the election. Right. And then, uh, you know, the the Benny Hill uh, continues. Because the Republicans went on all the talk shows trying to tell, or, or reporters trying to blame the Democrats, blame them for their madness. Well, what about the issue of perception? What message do you think it sends to world leaders, especially those authoritarians that are very much against the United States, like Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping, that Congress doesn't seem to be able to reach a consensus over something as basic as the Speaker of the House of Representatives? Well, the chaos uh, today is because of the weakness in the Biden administration. Uh, the southern it's border. Party. Is, it's, it's members the, of your party. The southern that border Kevin is McCarthy. absolutely in chaos. Uh, the inflation that is Congressman, crushing but respectfully, our, respectfully, the reason the House our, doesn't have a speaker is not because class. of Joe Biden. It's because of members of your party. That's why the House doesn't have a speaker. 
Look, democracy is messy. We're going to get through this. We're going to have a new leadership in the House of Representatives, and then we're going to lead to the victory in 2024 of a Republican president, hopefully a Republican Senate, and we're going to change some of these policies that we see today. Congressman Keith Self, we have to leave the conversation there. We very much appreciate your time and perspective, sir. You bet. Oh, that was mm. Boris Sanchez on CNN hosting CNN <laughs> with Repu- Republican Keith. So, wow, he uh, he's kind of living mm. in uh, on Earth too. There, <laughs> but that, you, there that's you what I mean mm. about about you know trying to figure out what the truth is. I mean, it's a complete assault on the truth. It, I, I think another term would be gaslighting. Yeah, yeah. Because all, yeah, all exactly. we have to do is see with our own eyes what's going on. Yeah. But then again. Can we trust that even? I mean, that's that's the whole point of authoritarian fascist movements is to make an assault on the truth. And I'll leave you with this, too. Guess who was the first to use the uh, the term uh, witch hunt in, in terms of uh, investigation on his uh, corruption and whatnot? Uh, Berlusconi. Richard, I'm going to go Richard Berlusconi. Yeah. Berlusconi? That was, oh. part of, that was part of his... And and it's actually quite amazing. Uh, there was a, um, <clears throat> a rundown on Berlusconi and what had happened to him that seems very similar in terms of what Trump is doing. Almost like he was reading it as a guidebook. It's so yeah. odd. Right. right. I think because it's Ber- it's don't, don't like, forget Berlusconi yeah. was a media type in you know like a a, a mini Rupert Murdoch. And uh, so, and and in some ways, a lot of people call him Mussolini, who was also a media giant of the day. Right. So, uh, and and Trump likens himself to be, you know, a master of the media. And uh, it, it's just it's just weird how similar these uh, these arcs. Yeah. No, I hear you, Justice. I think it's just dictators. They just have. They see a. They do. They do the same thing because they want the same thing. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't know if they're feeding off each other. I mean, uh, I don't think Trump is a big book reader <laughs> per se. I mean, well, you don't um, think he read Mein Kampf? <laughs> yeah, he just I, kept I think it on it's simply the fact that he's a dictator and he tries to ma- ma- manipulate people like other people try to manipulate people. Yeah. Is my guess. You know, it's, I, I, I agree with you. You know, his copy of Mein Kampf is uh, a picture book. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. It's <laughs> Anyway, so Brianna, Brianna, uh, Brianna Keeler was uh, interviewing uh, Representative uh, Larry Buxon, Buxon, and uh How much do you worry about how what's been very chaotic, this protracted GOP infighting, how much do you worry about how this inability to put up a leader in the House is making America look weak on the world stage? Well, I don't think it, ma- it makes America look weak, but let me say this. I travel all over the world, and it makes people nervous, no doubt about it. I mean, in Europe, in Asia, places that I've been, okay. they follow American politics very mm-hmm. closely. And I do think it is very important that we get a House Speaker ASAP. Right. And I've said that for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I supported Speaker McCarthy. I thought it was a bad idea. I think historically it's going to go down as a bipartisan failure. We had eight people on our side, of course, that led this, but we also had every Democrat in the House vote to remove wait, the Speaker of the is, House. So it's going to be you, you historically think this is, a, a Wait, bad you think precedent. this is going to go down as a bipartisan failure? I really do. Yes. No. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. mostly on the eight people in the House Republicans 
But I do think institutional-wise, history will say that removing a House Speaker with 208 minority votes was a bad idea. Yes, I do believe that. But again, let me just say, you know, this is on Republicans. We had Republicans that brought up the vote. But I do think it's history will the majority, write that it's sir, bipartisan. Sir, you're in the majority, and the majority elects the Speaker. That's so it's correct. up. So it's, I mean, just historically, it's up to the majority. That's just the way it goes. It is the responsibility of the majority party. Why put that, why put that on the minority party? Well, it is the responsibility to elect the speaker. That's true, but that's not what we did. What we did is, for the first time in U.S. history, is we removed the speaker. So, right. you know, yes, yes you if we didn't get the Republican but votes... But why not just own to, that? To I mean, should right? it just, well, just... Why not just own that? Well, I, that's well, what we already I, did. I think we have, but I think... I'm talking about history of the House of Representatives uh, going forward. I don't think history will write that it was a good idea to remove the House speaker, regardless of who started it. <laughs> Wow, clueless there? That's nonsense. Yeah, yeah I don't know. The part that Brianna left out was the motion to vacate. I really wish, uh, I mean, she did a really good uh, job, but she really left those words out, especially early on. Exactly. I mean, obviously, this goes back to January when McCarthy took 15 votes to become speaker. He had to give away concessions to the MAGAs, and the the worst one was the the ability for one representative only to be able to file a motion to vacate. Right. And that's exactly. obviously what, what Matt Gates did earlier this month. And <laughs> and that's why this is this is really on the Republicans that the Democrats, of course the minority party will vote for their own candidate for speaker. That's what that's what they're expected to do. It wouldn't have been a vote except for that motion to vacate. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You took the also, words right out of my mouth, Matt. <laughs> also, yeah. something that's a tad different now is the media's approach to this whole thing. Because generally, we as Dem the Democratic Party are held to the standard of always being bipartisan. If we're not bipartisan, there's something wrong with us. And yet, this whole movement to remove the speaker, uh, you know, throw the, the, the whole operation of government in chaos is by – those people who said that – I mean they're saying that if our people make any kind of agreement with the Democrats, then they're out. Right. We're going to we're gonna night of the long knives on them right now. Well, the whole and that's what's been going on there. When they are accused of eating their own, he's kind of true because uh, yeah. you're getting rid of those uh, uh, allies who may be a threat to your power. Right. Well, you know, I mean the thing is – when Nancy Pelosi was speaker, there was never a vote on the floor where she didn't know how every single member of the Democratic Party was going to vote, right? She, the whip's job is to count the votes and to talk to each congressperson in your, in your, in your, in your majority to tell, find out how they're going to vote on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on the floor. And so they're not very good at counting because there should have been no surprise that there were eight Republicans <laughs> or six Republicans, whatever it was, that voted to, to eject, you know? Remember remember when I think it was Tim Ryan uh, challenged Nancy for the speakership? Mm -hmm. Yes. I remember did. that? Right? Yes. And what was he reduced to? Whining that he wasn't getting any DNC money for his campaign. Right. Yeah. Well, there <laughs> and you, you wonder why. Uh-huh. But, I mean, the thing is, is that 
the, the part of the whip's job is to work with the speaker to keep the majority, right? <laughs> so right. you may you may allow one congressman for one particular reason to vote against your legislation because you know it might protect them from losing their seat in the next election but if you let that one vote go you can still get it passed you know so there's this whole negotiation that goes on but they just went into that speaker vote with not knowing what was going they they were just assuming it wasn't going to pass you know and then and then that's why Patrick what's his face was so mad and he banged that gavel so hard he's going to break it you know when McCarthy was ejected so you know they just had no idea what was even going on but you know Fox and Friends when you've lost Fox and Friends <laughs> right oh boy oh boy here this happened according to the Washington Post there are 10 holdouts uh, Punchbowl uh, this morning says there are 20 it looks like the, the prognostication right now is that he will lose the first vote. And then uh, some of these uh, holdouts are probably going to change their votes on the second or third rounds. But if it goes longer than three votes, some Republicans are going to start nominating other people. And we do know, talking about the pressure <laughs> thing, Brian, so um, it apparently is not, to your point about bullheaded, or, or just they don't like Jim Jordan. Uh, down in Florida, Republican Mario Diaz-Bullard says he's not going to be intimidated. He said he's going to vote for Steve Scalise. He said, if anybody is trying to get my vote, ridiculous. the last thing you want to try to do is intimate or pressure me because then I close out entirely. Uh, Mike <laughs> Kelly is voting St- Steve Scalise, Ken Buck, uh, McCarthy, Don Bacon, McCarthy, Victoria Spars uh, is simply going to vote against Jim Jordan. And Marionette Miller Meeks from Iowa, uh, she says she's undecided, but she's a no. Lawrence, isn't it ridiculous? Why would they vote for Scalise? He's not running anymore. Why would they vote it, for Kevin McCarthy? This is just delay, delay, because delay. Because they don't want to vote for him, for Jordan. You're so right, Ainsley. It's so petty. And it goes against the point that they were making earlier about the other group of eight that was voting against it and what they weren't putting party first and were voting for the Democrats. Um, McCarthy is not in the race. Scalise is not in the race. Uh, if they go with this consensus candidate, it's going to be major backlash. There's already uh, a lot of reporting from the NRCC saying that they won't support any of these candidates if they decide to do that. There's also reporting saying that the Republican donors are saying they're going to pull out of supporting these candidates yeah. if they don't vote for Jim Jordan. Right. It's just an embarrassment. They don't see the urgency. And it, it, I don't think anyone's ever been on a team sport uh, in their lives. And the thing is to say... I'm not going to vote for Jim Jordan because he's pressuring me. Why wouldn't he pressure you? That's the way you got to do it. You have 217 right. with a four-point margin. What do you mean pressuring me? My fear is that everyone's got these deals on the side. And if, the, if, all, if Jim Jordan says, I'm not going to do Ukraine, or I'm going to do Ukraine, or the border, or I'm not going to do the border, right. as soon as something happens and they vote against him, Look, they're going to blow it up again. Don't forget this. If you live in an area where your congresswoman or congressman, if they're the ones that are holdouts, don't forget this when it comes time to vote. Republicans need to unite and stick together. The Democrats do it beautifully, and Republicans, for some reason, right. can't seem to. Well, ultimately, uh, the Republicans hope to get a speaker, and, and they hope people will forget by November that when they had the majority, they could not uh, they could not govern. Brian, to your point, and it's a good one, uh, Mike, talking about doing deals, Mike McCall of Texas, uh, the chairman of the um, House Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, said he talked to Jim Jordan yesterday, and they may introduce a big funding package for Israel, Ukraine, which Jordan is not a fan of, and the border. So 
behind the scenes yesterday it was all about vote for me because let's make a deal i got a feeling a whole bunch of deals were made yesterday it is uh, what a carnival of idiots uh, it's unbelievable uh, <laughs> the land of misfit toys it's unbelievable wow <laughs> yeah Carnival of idiots. <laughs> when Fox calls yeah, you a carnival, you we, we can say you, it better ourselves. When Fox no, calls you a it. carnival of idiots, oh. I love the way they they said, "Oh, the, how how else would you get them to vote?" But pressure. It wasn't the pressure. It was the kind of pressure. Right. Yeah. Having you know. having a having a congressman kicked out of his his office in Colorado because the landlord wanted him to vote for Jordan. Yeah. Well, uh, calling uh, and having a wife. Right. Threatened with rape. Right. Because they won't vote for Jordan. I mean, those are the kind of things that anybody, anybody would recoil from. You know, you know, Joe, if I can if uh, if I can build on what you're saying, in addition to that, I want to say that they wouldn't have the slightest bit of problem if it were a Democrat. They didn't have any problem when some rando tried to attack Nancy Pelosi's husband. It's like they're not against political violence. They're Mm -hmm. only against it when it affects them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and, uh, right, right. And, and and that's it. It's like it, it's only when it comes into right. their backyard that they're like, "Oh, wait, I'm against that now." Yeah, I think yeah. just bad. like you know, it's, yeah, it's that's, funny. It's not to defend uh, Ken Buck or anybody. It, it the fact is, it, you're right. These people went along with all of Trump's bullying, right? For for all this time, that Trump's been been a, a factor in politics and in their party. And they never said a word. Now, all of a sudden, violence is terrible. Well, it was, violence go. is terrible when Steve Scalise gets shot, but not yeah. when somebody goes and shoots at FBI offices because right. of what there Trump's said. Yeah, yeah, funny, Joe, funny Joe, how, you uh, know, when you look at when you look at the sentence structure of the text and listen to the actual voice messages uh, threatening uh, representatives, wives and daughters and whatnot. Sure sounds like John Barron to me. Hmm, yeah, all right. <laughs> there you go. Well, Joe, are we ready to see what's happening down the Congo garage? Well, uh, yeah, sure, all sure. Right, let's do it. Well, this resume is getting seen, just not by who you want. You need a better plan. I need Indeed. Indeed, you do. An Indeed resume is more than a resume. It works harder for you helping you edit and improve. And it gets you seen by the right people. All without having to do one dance move. <laughs> There's dance moves, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that... If you're the House Republicans, the panic <laughs> is growing minute by minute. For two weeks, the majority party has been unable to pick a speaker. War in Ukraine, terrorists in Israel, pending government shutdown, and the prospect that Lauren Boebert and her roaming hands may sit next to you in the next Congressional Caucus, have you and the rest of the country on edge. (laughs) It's a dangerous position to be in, like standing in between Donald Trump and the last McMuffin at the breakfast buffet. Get out my way! And finding a candidate that can get 217 votes is harder than pulling Eric Trump away from his Lego blocks. Oh <laughs> but there is a solution. From the company that brought you the job search site, Indeed, comes Indeed in need of a speaker <laughs> to take the work out of your candidate search. 
With the new search algorithms developed by our team of IT specialists, we are able to search for the most self-loathing and soulless individuals from thousands of candidates whom you might never find due to prior convictions or head injuries. <laughs> then we merge them with police arrest records all over the country to create the largest database of loathsome creatures, almost as bad as Jim Jordan, to fill in as Speaker of the House. Whether it's in a dark alley behind a crack house <laughs> or a courtroom filled with Trump co-defendants, we will scour the dregs of humanity to match you with the Speaker candidate meeting the lowest standards of the current GOP majority. Say that again. And here is our money-back guarantee. If we don't find the candidate just right for you, we will return your check for a full refund in a Scaramoochie or a Scalise. <laughs> so stop wasting Congress's time with unnecessary votes and let Indeed, in need of a speaker, find the ideal candidate to screw up the legislative process for the rest of the term. As our spokesman Kevin McCarthy says, If you have no self-respect and low self-esteem, <laughs> this job is for you. Indeed. <laughs> ah, there you go. That was great, Joe. That was great. Um, I mean, it really was. It really was a clown car all week long. And it's going to continue to be a clown car. They're going to spend the whole 45 days of the CR trying to elect a speaker. And I don't know if they'll have a speaker after 45 days. Yeah, which of the 10 people that you've seen, heard about <laughs> has any chance? Right. Well, eight of them, well, eight of them voted, voted to overturn the election. And Ken Buck said he's not voting for anybody who did that. And there's well, always the eight. Like, yeah. There's always eight radicals that are always going to vote no for anybody, other than yeah. another radical. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, and you got to look at it from you know the congressional perspective. It's like, do they really? Who, who's going to want to take that job when there's so much opposition to it? You know, it's like I don't think they're going to get a lot of people who are going to be like, yeah, I want to be speaker right now. I don't. I don't. I don't really think so because it's like. It's it's just a shit show, you know what I'm saying? It's like who wants to get into that? Right. Well, if they're not careful, if they're not careful, it only takes a few to not show up to vote, brings that number down, and Jeffries could be speaker. There yeah, you but go. That's, well, but that's, well, let's hope. But yeah. that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. I just, I mean, you if, never if, know. If you even never if, know, like we, whether keeping a plane from flying or you know delay at the TSA because they had a gun, you know that kind of thing. Well, the only way that that the only way I, I could see that see that happening is if there was immediately a vote to to change the rules so that one person couldn't eject the speaker because or could well, file a like a, a vacate right. the chair because the thing is if Je if Jeffries is did if that did happen they would immediately file a, you know That's a motion right. to Matt Gatz would yeah would to vacate stand the chair up and, well exactly. let's let's look at it this way then. Okay, so we get to the point where we can't get a speaker. We're getting to November 17th when we're going to shut down. And five Republicans go to the Democrats, go to Joaquin Jeffries and say, we got a, we got a proposal for you. We'll vote for you for, for speaker if, you if, if we keep committee uh, chairmanships. We'll give you equal representation on the committees and we'll, give, and we'll vote to change the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's actually a good point, Joe. I mean, that's, that's the only well, that's essentially that's the only way forward if you think yeah, about it. And, and Jeffries could say, "Yes, we'll vote to change the rules, and I will agree 
that I will only serve as speaker until, uh, you know, such time as you can uh, elect one out of your majority. Right. Until well, we win back the majority. Yeah, we're we're back. Back. Yeah. Just give well, us a few months and we'll be back and everything will be uh, Yeah, good. we're not talking a lot of time here. So. Well, really. the other part of that, the other part of that is that I'm sure part of that deal would be shutting down, you know, these this stupid impeachment inquiry bullshit. Well, I think that's that's worth keeping going. <laughs> because that is such a comedy. That is, they're going to self-emulate. <laughs> I was about to say, haven't they shut themselves down over that? Isn't yeah. That, oh, well, you know, I, I saw anymore? a meme that said they had new evidence this week that uh, they oh, found sure that they, they found they out about a library book that uh, Biden mm. didn't didn't yeah, uh, they always yeah <laughs> didn't return like f- fifteen years ago. You know, <laughs> they found out that the Rosetta Stone has something in it that has to do with uh, the lab. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he, he, Italian he still satellites. Has a blockbuster you know? video cassette that he needed to turn in or some shit. Right, Who knows? right. Yeah, or he didn't, <laughs> and he didn't rewind it either. So, <laughs> right. oh no, right. But he had uh, eleven items in the express lane in the supermarket. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you son of a bitch, get out of here. Right. So, uh, so, so uh, Donald Trump was giving another speech. It's Trump, because that's who they're running against. We really want to run against Trump, but they don't. And the way I look at it, we beat him twice. Now we have to beat him a third time. We beat him. We beat the hell out of him the second time. No, you didn't. Think of it. Think of it. Think of it. We did much better the second time than we did the first. Remember that. And they're getting beaten very badly by me in the polls. Uh, They think the only way they can catch me is to stop me from speaking. They want to take away my voice. And a judge uh, gave a gag order today. Did you hear that on speech? Which I believe is totally unconstitutional, what she did. A judge gave a gag order. A judge doesn't like me too much. Her whole life is not liking me. But uh, she gave a gag order. You know what a gag order is? You can't speak badly about your opponent. But this is weaponry all being done because Joe Biden is losing the election and losing very, very badly to all of us in the polls. He's oh, losing really? badly. Yeah. Oh, look at the but what they don't understand is that I am willing to go to jail if that's what it takes for our country yeah. to win and oh. become I'm a democracy to to again. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I think we're all willing for him to go to jail, right? <laughs> What he doesn't understand is that elections don't happen because of polls, and the polls are skewed, and the polls have been wrong for like the last decade, and they don't know who they're polling, and they don't know who's paying for the polls, and it's they're all a bunch of bullshit. And uh, they don't want people to vote, right? Yeah, and and all they are, all the polls are right now is 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 another another uh, arm of their voter suppression effort. Right. Well, I'm just sick and tired of all of these doom and gloom for Biden articles and crap. Oh, yeah, like yeah. the red tsunami. Right. That wasn't. That, that wasn't mm. right. Well, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Jimmy Kimmel had a, a a little funny thing to say about that. They want to take away my banana. And you can't do that alone. Just to clarify, Stormy Daniels said it was more like a baby carrot than a banana. <laughs> Trump weighed in on the gag order while on the campaign trail in Iowa. But what they don't understand is that I am willing to go to jail if that's what it takes for our country to win and become a democracy again. Oh, yeah, we understand that. That's, mm. That actually is the plan. You go to jail and the country becomes a democracy again. I'm glad we're finally on the same page. Right. There we go, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, right. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh man, I don't know. <laughs> wow, there, there is a wholesale propaganda effort though to somehow make Joe's measured response to these world calamities, and I have to say, active solutions to it. Well, did you? I as, mean, did you hear the? As I, I, I don't know. Like, there's something onerous about it, right. and then you listen to this guy and is just. I don't know. I, <laughs> I was going to say you have to be out of your mind to vote for this guy, and then I realized there are a lot of people that are. Well, the more I yeah. hear, the more I hear him talk, I really believe that Jesus slipped off his cracker. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, just, I think just made... I think that when people are looking, I'm sorry, Tim. When people look at what's going on between how Joe has been attending to problems and the problems that this guy creates. I think there might be a turn. Well, you know, I mean, yesterday I saw this thing. Apparently, like all of these Palestinian Americans are going, oh, I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden over this. Oh, right. blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, then who are you going to vote for? Trump? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And I He's saw the argument him. says, well, you're saying that, you know, uh, because, you know, the first thing that Trump will do is, you know, ban all Muslims and, you know, they'll kick them out. And then where will you be? And I heard the argument is like, well, you you, you think that all of us are are of the Muslim faith. Well, there's a lot of us who are Christians. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know how many Syrian Christians got put into the icebox baby gulags also? Right. There you go. I mean, come on. He doesn't he doesn't. Uh, discriminate against Syrian Christians and Palestinian Shias. Okay, he lumps them all the same. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, this is and that's because that's, racism. I mean, exactly. There you yeah. go. Well, this is this is yeah. the thing. I mean, like we saw the the DOJ settled, you know, the family separation, D, uh, you know, case with the ACLU this week, and. The reason, and and when I heard about it, they said, "Oh well, the, you know, this would prohibit the, the the government from separating families for eight years, right?" And I thought, "Well, why eight years, right? Wouldn't yeah. you, wouldn't you want to make that forever, right?" Yeah. But the, but I was listening to uh, you know the sisters in law podcast, and they were talking about this, and they said the reason that 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 it's eight years is because that's all the DOJ has the authority to do, because Congress would have to make it permanent the family separation mm. policy because they would have to change the law. But DOJ has the authority to to prevent it for eight years, you know, and I, and then they speculated that, well, you know, that would get them through whoever is the next president, you know, and then two years beyond. But, you know, if you put Bill Barr or somebody like that in the Justice Department, well, who's to say they're going to enforce that, right? Yeah. You know, but anyway, uh, morning, Joe. Sydney Powell just put Sydney Powell there. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, she could do, she could uh, serve her probation from the uh, Department of Justice, right? So, oh. but anyway, morning, Joe was talking about Trump's speech there about uh, about uh, when he just kind of threatened the judge there. So, Chuck, let's take that mm -hmm. speech last night, that event, for example. He specifically went after the judge. The gag orders about the prosecutors themselves. Where is the line on this? We know he won't be able to control himself up in front of a crowd. So let's say he violates the gag order, goes after the prosecutor or witnesses in this federal case. This applies to the federal election case. Um, what happens next? Right. So a judge under those circumstances, Willie, would have a bunch of options, but they're not all easy to implement. She could reprimand him. She could essentially reissue the order and remind him of his obligations. That's at sort of the low end of the spectrum. She could find him. She could even revoke his bond and imprison him. 
although that would uh, introduce a host of logistical and technical difficulties because he has a Secret Service detail and he's running for president. Yeah, Where on that. that spectrum she lands, <laughs> if he violates it, I don't know. She may not even know. This is, you know, we use the word unique a lot. And frankly, I think it tends to be overused. This is unique. She sees him as a defendant running for president. Uh, he thinks of himself as someone running for president who also happens to be a defendant. They're coming at it from very different directions. And so when he inevitably violates her order in some way, I think the hard question is, what does she do next? And I don't really know the answer. It's hard to imagine putting Mr. Trump, while he's a candidate, running for president, in prison. Not for me. Um, yeah, but it's I, not at all. What, Go ahead. I, I, I'm cool I don't, with it. I, I, I don't <laughs> find that hard to imagine. <laughs> he violates the gag yeah. order. He should be treated just like anybody else. You know? Mm. Yep. Be- so. Because then, I mean... <laughs> We all know that his whole modus operandi for running is to keep himself out of jail. And I say that's been from 2016 for crimes that he committed before then, to be honest with well, you. you. Remember, but you remember before Trump got indicted at all, everybody was saying that everybody was afraid to be the first one to indict. But then after the first person indicted, then all the others would follow through. Maybe yeah. maybe this is the same thing with the judges, you know. All the judges are afraid yeah. to put him in jail, but one finally does, then the others will will immediately follow through if he violates. That's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, well, and I don't see a logistical problem. Mm-mm. I mean, he's got yeah, a secret service detail. Okay, so set him up outside of a cell block. Right there, you go. Yeah. Or there put you him go. into cell block. What's right. the difference? There you go. Well, yeah, yeah I, you, well, you, you, do you that too. <laughs> Deputize them as prison guards, or and and it's it's all good. They can work shifts. I, I wonder how much the Secret Service will enjoy being in a prison cell with Trump. You know, it's like, how <laughs> oh do they rotate? Like, you get to be in the cell, you get to be out. <laughs> I don't even know. It's like, That's like yeah. the meme where, the, where the, 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 the cellmate's got the pillow over his head as Trump's laying on the bed talking about how the election was stolen from him. And he's like, <laughs> ah! Shut up! <laughs> really? That's, can I be in solitary confinement, please? I don't right. want to hear, listen to this guy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, so they go on. Checklist. Let, let, let's make let, let's make this simple. Let's make this simple. So, uh, I, I understand he's running for president. Uh, political speech is protected. Uh, I understand he has a right to campaign. Uh, she said he's even allowed to say the process is rigged if he wants to. At the same time. As the judge stated in her order, she cannot imagine any other trial where you would have a defendant allowed to run out calling prosecutors thugs. I can't imagine any criminal case in which a defendant is permitted to call the prosecutor deranged or a thug, and I will not permit it here simply because the defendant is running for a political campaign. So, yes, this is unique. What is not unique is the fact is this is he's a criminal defendant. And she's exactly right. He cannot. He cannot. I, because no criminal defendant that I've ever heard of has been able to attack uh, members of the court, officers of the court, the way Donald Trump is. Mm-hmm. Right. OK, so a couple of things are simple, Joe. You're right. Uh, he's a criminal defendant. She's right. The order she issued is narrowly tailored and designed to accomplish all those purposes you just explained. That said, what does she do when he violates it? And I don't know that there's a lot of other data points for us, frankly, mm-hmm. Joe. I mean, there aren't a lot of cases like this. I can't think of any. 
And so, yeah, in some ways it's simple. He's a criminal defendant and he has to abide her order. Fine. Mm-hmm. Good. Got it. What happens Chuck, well, when- So let me just ask you, well, again, I'm sorry. He's, a, he's running for resident. That's awesome. Under, Amer- uh, under the United States of America, I mean, under our laws, we believe that nobody's above the law. What would happen if in a case that you were trying, any case that you were trying, where a criminal defendant so don't go out and call us thugs, and then he goes out on the court steps, holds a press conference, and the defendant calls him thugs. I don't know where you practiced. I can tell you where I practiced. The judge would call him back in, hold him in the contempt of court, and throw him in jail. Where I practiced, if somebody violated a court order, the Mm -hmm. judge would haul him back in, hold them in contempt, and sanction them. Maybe find them, maybe put them in jail, but they would certainly sanction them. You and I agree on that, Joe. There's a problem here, though. It's much more difficult than that. Mm-mm. And so no, I no, take no. it to, you know, Mm-mm. we all ought to try and find the simple answer. I don't know that there is. First of all, how do you put somebody with a Secret Service detail in prison? Second, because with, with the First key, Amendment absolutely right? protects <laughs> exactly. political speech. Tell me precisely what the line is between political speech, valid criticism, let's say, of Mr. Biden or the Justice Department, and speech that violates her order. I just don't know. Maybe I'm not smart enough to figure out where that line clearly lies. Well, I think I think you're extraordinarily smart. Maybe it's just because I'm a simple country lawyer that just fell off of a turnip truck outside of 30 Rock. But it seems to me that you have uh, they get called back in. You don't you don't create one set of rules for Donald Trump and another set of rules for the other 330 million people. I understand it's a complicated issue and it has to be acted upon with nuance. But if he continues to attack and insult members of the court, I'm quite confident that John Roberts Supreme Court will rule with the judge that there has to be an orderly procedure inside that courtroom. And if there is somebody that is constantly attacking the validity of the court and trying to undermine a federal judge and other officers of the court, I don't think the Roberts court would see it as that complicated so long as it is narrowly tailored to the contours of actually running the case in a manageable, uh, professional way. And and if he steps out of line, you sanction him. And if he steps out of line, sanction him again. If he steps out of line the third time, I think every federal judge would throw him in jail, regardless we'll of who he is. Put an ankle bracelet on him and put him in Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. Put an ankle bracelet on him. And you throw know, him in Mar-a-Lago. I have a question for you guys, and I honestly don't know the answer myself. And maybe you know, maybe you don't know. But my thing is, I mean. As a layman's perspective, is like when you see Trump going off on and on about, you know, all this stuff against the judge and all of his rant and ravings about the prosecutors, the judge, whatever. It's like, as a defendant, it's like, how is that going to help you if you want to do an appeal? You know, like I'm like, he, he if if he loses the case and he says, oh well, I want to appeal because X Y Z. But then he's got this long history of ranting against the judge and the prosecutor. I mean, does he not realize that he has to appeal to other judges? Right. And other, I mean, does he not see that? They're all yeah, in the he same thinks he's going to string. He thinks he's going to string it on. And he's somehow mysteriously going to be reelected and put on the throne. And he can throw all of these cases out. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of like saying this. It's like. 
if, 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 if I was a judge and say all of you guys are also judges and the defendant is like, well, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You guys would probably be like, well, wait, we know Seth. He's our, he's a guy we've known for a long time. And, and, and it just is weird to me. It's like, it's like that, that is, it feels like he's poisoning his own well. And I'm like, why? Like, like that's, that's, that's never going to work. His whole thing is delay anyway, because the more he could appeal, the more he could delay, because he's hoping right. the appeals don't be heard timely. But, you know, Tim, I saw that whole exchange live when it happened, mm-hmm. and I thought, who, who was who was the the analyst that that was there? Oh, that was uh, that was Chuck Rosenberg. Chuck Rosenberg. Ooh. Look, Chuck Rosenberg always teeters on the fence, mm-hmm. if you notice. Mm-hmm. I've watched him. Over the time that all this has been going on, he's always a teeterer. And he does something that typically the whole media is doing, is that they are giving deference to him because he was an ex-president. When I thought Lady Justice has a blindfold on, Mm -hmm. okay, and if that's true, then all the judge has to say is, you violated the gag order, I'm revoking your bail, I'm putting you in jail. And look over to the Secret Service as you figure it out. Well, I think think we saw that this week with... With the, the judge in New York, Egeron? Yeah, that's not the judge's problem. Yeah. That's not America's problem. Yeah, right? judge said that's, right to that is, that is the That is the, the, the problem of the Secret Service and and the, the Homeland Security who run the Secret Service to say, you know what, we have to figure this out because the judge doesn't give a shit. Right, well, the judge... she's just going to make sure there's order in the court. Right, well, the judge, I mean, that's what the, the, the judge said to Trump's lawyer. Why should I not lock him up? Yeah, so it is right. simple. Right. This they're making it complicated. Right. Oh, he's a president. He's running for president. Where's the line? I'll tell you where the line is. If there's a court order and you violate it, that's the line. Right. Exactly. Yeah. End this of is, the story. This is a thought experiment that I've run through, and I thought maybe Matt, since I, I think you're the only true lawyer or <laughs> law background that we can draw on, if this thought experiment has any validity, to put the lie to this cloak of being the president or running for president, being in a campaign, if you are a, shall we say, an organized mobster and you're running an organized mob, but then you throw on the cloak of legitimacy by taking on, I don't know, a legitimate business like maybe a restaurant. Yeah. And and then when the law comes down on you because of your organized mobstering and you say, you can't do this because you're just trying to keep me from running a legitimate business. That wouldn't fly in any court of law anywhere or even in common yeah. sense. Right. Now, and all the all of the big organized crime bosses and their and some of their underlings have legitimate businesses. Exactly. We got you got Walter White's car wash, whatever. <laughs> but what I what I'm struck by is I there is unfortunately a political overlay and there's also an overlay of just people being afraid, people not acting out of fear. Like remember what James Comey did in 2016. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and then the other thing I think about is the, possibly a double standard for Republicans versus Democrats, because re- also remember the Clinton Paula Jones case, where this was a, a person in in the private sector who sued the president, and at first at first the rulings were that a president can't be sued with when they're in office, but then the Supreme Court, Republican Supreme Court, 
said, oh, sure he can. In other words, the president really is just like everybody else. So that's the way it should be. But uh, I've maybe had some of, of Joe's cold water here. And uh, I don't think Donald Trump is ever going to serve a day in any jail behind any bars. That's I have felt that all no. along, and I still feel that way. No. Yeah. I think at worst, if he's convicted on one of these things and has to be incarcerated, it's going to be with uh Mika said there, it's going to be ankle bracelet Mar-a-Lago for the rest of your life or and whatever. It, or it's going to be appealed until he's dead. Right? Can't we, right, can't so. we just put him as part of like uh, the the like transfer to get those journalists from Vlad back and then we can give them Trump? Right. There you go. Well, I wanna, well you know, if, if we get him as a convicted felon, that's a pretty – I mean that's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I, I want to move on to this next story here because – because this this one, I want to talk about this. So Chris Hayes was talking about what happened with this whole thing about this pressure campaign uh, to vote for Jim Jordan as speaker. According to new reporting, the pro-Trump MAGA wing of the party is exerting a lot of pressure to make exactly that happen. Axios reports there's been a massive push to get House Republicans to unify around Jordan, including calls to member offices. Conservative TV hosts ramping up the pressure on skeptics and MAGA influencers taking aim at hesitant members on social media. Axis also obtained this note. A producer for Fox News host Sean Hannity emailed to Republican congressional staffers over the weekend, quote, sources tell Hannity that the representative is not supporting Jim Jordan for speaker. Can you please let me know if this is accurate? And if true, Hannity would like to know why during a war breaking out between Israel and Hamas with the war in Ukraine, with the wide open borders, with the budget that's unfinished. Why would the representative be against Jim Jordan for speaker? Please let us know when the representative plans on opening the people's house so work can be done. <laughs> Get back to me whenever. We're just asking questions. It's a whipping operation. Mm-hmm. So one of the most powerful forces in conservative politics, a network that pretty recently, I don't know, dude, am I remembering this correctly? paid nearly $800 million to settle a lawsuit about its own involvement in the coup, is bullying individual members for Donald Trump and Jim Jordan so the coup team can get back together wielding their power. The message here is that Sean Hannity and Fox News will publicly punish you if you cross the leader of our party and his chosen speaker. Now, I guess I understand why they're doing it. We know these kinds of tactics can work. It's been pretty effective time and again. We have seen Republican members say, oh, they don't like this, the direction the party's headed, and they don't like Trump, it's descended further and further into anti-democratic madness and dysfunction. But the vast majority of them never seem to have any ability to hold their ground, to use their leverage. They just retreat and they cave over and over and over and over and over again. This entire debacle around the speakership has been more of the same. The party allowed a small right-wing vanguard to sow utter chaos, and through cowardice or incompetence or some miserable combination of the two, the Republican Party has left the nation worse off and American democracy even more acutely threatened. Now, can you imagine, just imagine this, can you imagine if the producer of the Rachel Maddow show (laughs) called up or sent emails to members of Congress threatening threatening them to vote a particular way what would happen in the right-wing media if that got exactly yeah. it would i mean fox news would 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 be having a conniption fit <laughs> you know yet they're doing the exact same thing you know what i mean i mean conservative media is 
would 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 have a complete meltdown. No, you're 100 right, Tim. I, I mean, it, it's unfathomable. I mean, it's like how do we, I mean? It, it seems like they're just sinking lower and lower and lower to depravity. It's it's just it's well, crazy. it's the threats. <laughs> it's the threats. I mean, this is it. It's like if they don't get their way, they're going to threaten and bully. It's it's like the same thing with this legislation. The oh, you know, this ten thousand dollars. Well, you know, anybody can sue a woman for ten thousand dollars if they think that somebody helped her get an abortion. You know, it's threats and intimidation. That's their mm-hmm. entire party's platform. Mm-hmm. It's true, and now they're threatening themselves, and they're realizing that that's not going to work because right. <laughs> don't like it so you know, much, do you? Now, yeah, they they tried to threaten each other to get Jim Jordan speaker, and he ultimately got voted out. And I, well, I mean, it's it's like they're okay with violence as long as it doesn't apply I to got them. It. And when it does apply to them, then they're not okay with it. So yeah. everybody says I'm I'm using too much hyperbole, but when you got a bunch of legislative brown shirts, you got to expect the night of the long knives, and this right. is what we're seeing. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I don't think that's a stretch at all, Justice. I think you're 100 percent right on that. Yeah. Well, and this- and it's just really odd that, well, you know, another another aspect of that whole authoritarian fascist Nazi movement is the abject corruption, lying, backstabbing. I mean, you can't be a, you can't be a Nazi unless you're a backstabber. So, right. Well, and, uh, <laughs> and then, see uh, uh, on CNN, uh, Scott Jennings was on with, with, uh, with uh, Dana Bash talking about this. And I think he had about the best analysis here. Hey, Scott, I just want to kind of take a step back because if you're not familiar, sort of almost intimately familiar with the, um, the ecosystem, mm. not just of the Congress, but specifically of the House Republican Conference. You might be sort of scratching your head and asking what is going on even more uh, than the people who are actually part of that conference. And when I say that, what I mean is that there has, ever since I've been covering Congress, which has been a couple of decades, it's grown even more to the point which I'm going to make, which is that they have to get things out of their system. They have to get to the point where they see no other road, but the obvious road that all of us are seeing, which is at this point, Jim Jordan doesn't look like he's going to be speaker. And that perhaps the guy who actually has the gavel temporarily, Patrick McHenry should have it. Can Can you talk about that and why that isn't happening like this, if that seems to be where this is headed? Well, it's not in their nature, and I say there, it's not in the nature of the the conservative wing of the conference to give up. You know, their whole brand is, let's fight, let's fight about everything. And even when we've gotten fewer votes, let's keep fighting and and, and keep trying to, uh, to deny the reality. And what you wind up with is just another episode of Monkeys Getting Amorous with Football starring the House Republicans. And until you get tired of that show, you know, which is, I think, coming soon based on what I'm hearing. Uh, you're going to have to continue to go through this chaos. This Patrick McHenry business is fascinating. He is one of McCarthy's top guys, helped him get the speakership. And if this whole thing winds up with him as being named assistant to the regional manager, whatever title they're going to give him here, which is not in the Constitution, <laughs> this will be like the biggest circle jerk in the history of circles. <laughs> I mean, I mean to, to have McCarthy's guy back in as a temporary speaker. And, and if you're a conservative and you have followed Jim Jordan, you followed these guys and you, and, and, and you want them to be right, remember, you're the mark here. There was no plan. Mm-hmm. They had no plan. They threw McCarthy overboard without any plan whatsoever 
of what to do next. And so when you think about what this means for the conservative cause, how are you going to beat Joe Biden without a plan? How are you going to advance our principles without a plan? They have no plan for this, yeah. let alone the broader issues. The biggest circle jerk Mike. in the history of circles or jerks. <laughs> Mike drop. I think what their plan was, they actually thought they're going to have a competent, you know, strong man take over. And all they got was Trump. <laughs> I just love that. He wasn't, he wasn't competent in the first place. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. They, they thought they were going to get like an actual competent. I don't know. Well, the thing is, they, they, you, we long because he's <laughs> loud and he's braggadocious. They associate that with power and, yeah. and, and, and authority, but it's not, it's just loud. Loud doesn't equate to authority and, and knowledge and the ability to lead. It's, you like, know, th- th- this whole, like setting up that persona of him being a competent, successful businessman on that Burnett production for years, the, the apprentice to me, that was abhorrent. That was the kind of boss or CEO that I don't know. We were sort of taught to avoid <laughs> in right? some ways, not, not elevate to, you know, hero status. I don't know. I, yeah. It's weird. It's like a reality TV star, you know, let's, let's make him president. I mean, in some cases it worked, it worked in Ukraine. Well, I, mean, I think guy, that- he, <laughs> He, the, the the Ukrainian president was played the president. Of, he was a comedian, and he turned out okay, but not so much with Trump. I just mm-hmm. love that the biggest circle jerk in the history of circles or <laughs> jerks. <laughs> I, wish, I, I, I wish I had seen Dana Bash's face. <laughs> oh well, the clip. You is... know, it didn't even occur to me until he said that. I was like, well, yeah, I guess you could say that on TV. Like, I would have thought you couldn't, but yeah, you can. I guess you can. <laughs> I don't know if you can. Yes, right. <laughs> you know, when when they're trying to kick out Ethan Frome from the libraries and schools because there's too much sex, I don't know. Maybe uh, that, that that might be right up there. Yeah, I just thought uh-huh. Scott Jennings. Scott Jennings wins the day. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, anyway, so uh, so we'll close out here. A couple last couple of clips. Uh, um, is Harry Melbourne had on Joyce uh, Vance White to talk about uh, cheese and cracking, flipping, and oh. she had this to say. Joyce, your reaction to this big news tonight and the pressure on, as mentioned, those other co-defendants? Right. So I think this is good news for prosecutors. That should go without saying any week where you get pleas from two top co-defendants is a good week. Um, I think that we should be a little bit cautious here, Ari. I remember when Paul Manafort indicated that he was cooperating with prosecutors back during the Mueller investigation. And that really didn't come off. They ended up actually having to take Manafort to trial. But in both of these cases, these defendants have pleaded guilty. They've said that they're pleading guilty because they did it. And their plea agreements are contingent on truthful cooperation with prosecutors. In the case of Chesbro today, it was explicit on his willingness to provide documentary evidence. And that likely means text messages and emails. And that's important to prosecutors because it's great to have a cooperating co-defendant who says it, but it's something even a step better when they can back it up and corroborate what their their oral testimony Mm, will be. The final thing that I'll say about both of these now cooperating co-defendants 
is that they can be valuable to prosecutors as narrators of the conspiracy. They can talk about how the conspiracy was formed, how the agreement was made, what the people involved agreed to do and wanted to do, and what steps they took in furtherance of that agreement. So that's an important sort of pickup for prosecutors and something that I think will embolden Fonnie Willis as she moves forward with the remaining defendants. Yeah, you mentioned D.A. Willis. She now has more and faster convictions than Jack Smith, who took this narrow approach, only charged one person in the coup case, Donald Trump. Everyone else is an unindicted co-conspirator. Do you think this validates her approach or still too early to tell? Well, I think both approaches are, are valid. Jack Smith opted for streamlined in an effort to get the former president in front of a judge and a jury as quickly as possible. Fonnie Willis took a comprehensive approach, trying to fully vindicate the interests of Georgia citizens in seeing those who attempted to overthrow their election brought to justice. You know, there was some criticism of Willis early on. I was not among the critics who were concerned that she had overindicted the case and involved too many defendants. I continue to think she was fully prepared to go to trial with all of those defendants in the courtroom in a prompt fashion. But in reality, prosecutors know that when you indict a big conspiracy like this, a lot of people will end up pleading guilty. They mm -hmm. cooperate. They make your case mm -hmm. stronger before you get to trial. It's likely to me that she will get to try the defendants in one lump group. It'll be a number of defendants who will be in single digits, and she will have her case bolstered by additional cooperating witnesses. Let's hope. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I, I think you're right, Joe, Steph. I think she agrees with you there. <laughs> I think we're going to see a lot yeah. more flip. Yeah, it, it's, it's just her standard procedure. You know, she's done it before. She's doing it again. And I think more will flip, you know, and especially because I, I, I think it's really telling that the fact that the first two people, Powell and Cheeseboro, they're like the bigger fish of the group. Mm -hmm. And the smaller fish, they don't have a they don't have any room to stand. They don't have a leg to stand on. I mean, it's like, what do they got? They got nothing. Right. Well, and so, also the other thing, too. Is you know because they were going to trial, that means that you know they had discovery. Their attorneys had discovery and saw all the evidence that Fannie yeah. Willis has and was ready to present. That's a really good point, Tim, and that's something I've been thinking about. It's like there's evidence out there that they've seen that we haven't, and they wouldn't give it up if if unless I mean, they knew that they didn't stand a chance. I was so, shocked. I was shocked that Sidney Powell flipped i really was but i said on facebook i said and just like that the kraken pleaded guilty <laughs> right? so yeah, anyway yeah. so uh then uh, lisa rubin was on with joy reed uh, let me stay with you for a second lisa because in another case now let's talk about uh, donald trump and his threats uh against uh people members of the bar people who are part of the court system a judge has now threatened to imprison donald trump for violating the gag order and this is in the new york fraud case uh judge arthur and goron said in a filing this morning that the court is finding trump $5,000 for leaving up an untrue and disparaging post about the clerk, about Ngoron's clerk, on his campaign website. We know that Donald Trump has also put up and doxed the Attorney General, Letitia James. That may violate a gag order as well. He shared a blog article from a far-right political activist on Truth Social on Monday that has Letitia James's home address. So he's continuing to threaten people. What surprised me about Ngoron's finding, Lisa, is the $5,000 fine. That's a very tiny fine for somebody who, even though it's a lie, claimed to be a billionaire. Why so little? 
I think it was little because Chris Keiss, who represents the former president in the New York Attorney General's trial, went to the court today and said, look, this was inadvertent. It was left up on the campaign's website, but the defendant did as your honor ordered him to do. He took it off Truth Social. The fact that it remained on the campaign's website was mere inadvertence, your honor. And Angoron, in his written order, said, I'll take it on faith that it's inadvertence this time, Mr. Keiss. I'll sanction your client $5,000, but the next time it happens, let me lay out for you the buffet of options from which I can choose that include up to potential imprisonment. So I think this is a warning to Donald Trump the next time Angoran won't be so gracious. Well, let's hope. <laughs> let's hope. Well, what if the two judges, best case scenario, they fight amongst each other. Each one of them wants to put Trump in jail. I mean, what will they do? They split the difference and send him to Tennessee or something? <laughs> right. If they did put him in jail, we'd all be like, <laughs> Was much rejoicing. <laughs> you know, I was, I was, I, I was never a litigator, of course, and you know, I just simply took constitutional history and European law as an undergrad. But, but uh, I, I always thought ignorance is no excuse, and now it seems like it's a virtue. Yeah. Well, so, uh, you know, I mean, what's up with that? I mean, like uh, I said, they're all living on Earth too. It seems because <laughs> the rest yeah, of us I, over here on Earth one are kind of like looking at it, going, um, I, what? <laughs> I have a question for Matt. Um, if if a, a one judge, say Erdogan, orders a gag order and it's violated, doesn't that violate his bail bond and all the other cases? Yes, yeah, it does. I did. I believe it does. Yeah. I would think so. I mean, I think the other cases have something like that too. Yeah, they, again, well, I mean, we're talking about a best case scenario: embarrassment of riches. Yeah, I'm talking about what I'm talking about is, I thought a condition of bail is that you, you break no other laws, local, state, or federal. Right. And that's that's known as a global agreement. And if you break a law, if contempt of court is breaking the law. Correct. Right. So so if he breaks, if he if he, he's found in contempt. In Erdogan, even in a civil case, does, hasn't he violated his bail in Chutkin's court? Yeah, why would well, they? Welcome to the legal hour at Tim Caramel. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I, I would agree. I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is the other thing too about about you know Powell and and um, and cheese flipping, is that we don't know whether that was a global plea, right? Because they're both still on. Unindicted co-conspirators in the yeah. in the Jack Smith indictment, and did they agree? Was Jack Smith involved in the plea agreement and agreed not to indict them later on down the line if they cooperated? And will they cooperate mm. with him? Well, I certainly think I, that. I, uh, yeah, I certainly think that. Uh, I certainly think that's a possibility. I mean, because how can you plea- open themselves up to some problems? Right. And admitting guilt to a crime. Yeah, how can you plead guilty yeah. in the state court, no, but then say you're not guilty in federal court? I heard some language in different podcasts, news media, whatever, that suggested that, yes, they will have to, you know, if, if they're called to witness, they're going to have to 
you know, witnessing those trials as well. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm under the impression that, yes, they will have to do that. Well, Sydney Powell's on, on probation for six years. Well, <laughs> so uh, mm. if she violates that condition. <laughs> in, but if you look at it from their yeah. perspective, it's like, well, that's the thing. If I if I've made the decision I don't want to go to jail, then yeah, it's easier to you know testify at a trial than it is to be behind bars. Yeah. You know, so that my guess is they're probably going to go with whatever it takes them, whatever it takes them to do to not be behind bars because nobody wants that. Yeah. You know, right? Especially from what I hear about the Atlanta jails. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, and uh, and the other yeah. thing too about, about I mean you you know they're probably going to be getting death threats before they go up on that stand, right? Because yeah. <laughs> what else? Everything else going on, right? So, well, we will we'll have to wait and see. But so tell people where they can check you out. Oh well, thanks, Tim. I'm so happy to be on the show again, and it's like I tell you, it's 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 surreal for me to be here in Fulton County, and there's so much news going on all the time. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, or not Twitter, but rather Spoutable and Mastodon as SethP23, and you can check out our blog on Instagram at VeganASP. And very happy to be here. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Seth. And I really like Spoutable. Did you see the new feature they just introduced? Where oh, yeah. if you post a, a post that's longer text, it'll automatically thread the tweet for, or the po- the post for you. They break it up yeah. into multiple mm. threads. It's very cool. I I, I like Spotable a lot. I also like Mastodon a lot. I like yeah. both. So, I like yeah. them too, and I like threads too. So, all right, and we'll go to uh, Justice. You oh thanks for having me once again. You. you can uh find me on all social media. As Justice Putnam just put it in, and also on Netroots Radio and Black Co's part of Daily Co's, so check it out. All right, thank you, thank you, Justice and Matt. Well, thank you for a very nutritious show today. <laughs> uh, you can find me at the Messaging Matters blog at messagingmatters.com, also Mastodon at Messaging Matters at mstdn.social. All right, thank you, Matt and Joe. Hey, you can find me on Mastodon on Facebook and WordPress. JSantorsa.wordpress.com. And you can follow me, Tim Cormall, on the Mastodon at Mastodon.social, as well as on Threads and uh, and Facebook and <laughs> and everything else uh, spoutable, but not on the Twitty, so or the X or whatever it's called these days, and. Uh, <laughs> And also, just remember, the biggest circle jerk in the history of circles or jerks. <laughs> I like his idea of ironically saying, you go, girl. You go, girl. You go, girl. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with that, we'll close out with our good buddy Lawrence's latest song, Hopelessly Divided GOP. <laughs> so take it away, Lauren, and we will see you all soon. Guess now we know the system's broken The house is in a mess, it's true Not just partisan divide But a bickering other side What's new? Apparently these fools are to fart around incessantly 
They have no policies, solutions, ideas, please, we won't see in this hopelessly divided GOP. There's no consensus in sight since they've pandered to the right. They're out of their heads, hopelessly divided GOP. Trump's their Lord and Savior, while half would love to let him go. So nothing can get done, and they let the clown car run the show. Till voters tell these jerks, time to go. Dumb internal fight, they're out of their heads, hopelessly divided GOP, incompetent and clueless as can be. Hopelessly divided with a leader who's been indicted and the chaos they've incited leaves us cautiously delighted by this hopelessly divided.